The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 87. And uh, last week we brought you five reasons why your videos suck in the field edition. This week is Ryer's taking point on five reasons your videos suck editing edition. So uh, you've been writing notes and going mm-hmm. through this. I just briefly skimmed through the notes, but uh, pretty much exactly what I would have said. So that's good. Um, so last year, last year, last week, got feels the, like a got, year. Got the coronavirus in brain, I guess. Um, we went over the five reasons why your videos suck in field edition, and just to go back over those, um, the five reasons were you don't know how to properly run your camera in the right settings which is of something I've said a million times, is learning how to run your camera in manual is extremely important. Uh, you don't understand how to frame or how to frame things. Um, why did my notes get all jacked up? Uh, you're not producing or getting talking at all, which was number three. Uh, you don't know how to monitor your audio or you're not monitoring your audio monitoring your audio and the last one was um you're more worried about hunting than filming and uh we've i think that was the biggest one and i think that's uh oh that's why because i was on the wrong notes um that's i think that's the biggest reason um and i and the reason that you know your videos are going to suck the reason you haven't you know if you're not following this five things is when you get to this process what we're going to talk about today that's when you realize and this video is really going to suck because you didn't do a good job in the field. And I want to reiterate, and Ryer will agree with me, if you don't do a good job in the field, if you don't do those five things, get the simple building blocks to tell a good story, your video is going to suck no matter how good of an editor you are, which you're probably not a good editor if you're not shooting good stuff in the field. It's usually those two things go hand in hand. I'd agree with that. So, Ryer, why, what are the five reasons your videos suck? Editing edition. What are we starting with? So the first that, and I'm basing all of this off of like when I see a video, I'm like, man, that video sucks. These are some of the things that usually stand out to me. And number one is too many transitions. Um, and by transitions, I mean your cross dissolves, your fade to blacks. Everybody your, knows I love cross dissolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your, you know, your... Now there's a lot of fancy ones, like you've got your zoom transitions and whip transitions and pan transitions and, you know, all sorts of all sorts of other ones. Luckily, I don't see many of those, like, uh, really cheesy where the circle, like, starts in the center of the frame. Oh, comes God, out. yeah. That was, luckily, that I don't see that too much yeah, anymore. Yeah, we've graduated from that. But if you do that, you better have a very, very good reason for doing that. <laughs> 
Like, I need it. I you, you better have it say, written down. You thought you were going to say, but just stop. <laughs> just stop what you're doing. I've seen, well, I've seen it in a couple Hollywood movies, and it has a certain effect. Yeah. Like, and, if and you're trying to make something to look funny. like it sucks. Yeah, and it's to be funny yeah. half the time, yeah. But anyways, that's besides the point. Basically, if you watch most movies, most shows, most things on the internet, I would say that... 99% of those things, 99% of those cuts are hard cuts. There's not a, and I guess, you would you call those jump cuts, Caleb? I mean, it's not. What do you say, say that again? Hard cuts? 99%, uh, especially for like, if I'm cutting an episode, 99% yeah. of that episode, every single cut it's is a hard, a hard cut. cut. Yeah. It, there's no transition between the clips. It's just one clip ends, boom, the other one starts. Let's run into the next one. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think, like, all this is going to, I'm going to say this probably 45 times in the episode, but a lot of these things do come down to how you shoot in the field. Mm-hmm. All, um, all of if them you have, down, yeah. If you have the right content, if you have the right shots, if you have a good variety of shots, you're not going to find yourself needing to use transitions because the shots, you'll be able to vary the shots enough that you don't need to cross-dissolve or to fade or to do some fancy thing to draw attention away from the cut yeah which is basically what you're doing when you're when you're using one of those fancy transitions is you're trying to smooth that cut out because it doesn't it's jarring yeah um and that being said there are times when you do want to use a cross dissolve or a dip to black and i have those listed because those are really the only two i use i mean 90 percent of the transitions that i use of the transitions that i use uh, which, you know, like I said, is only 1% of any episode is a transition, is a dissolver a dip to black. And it's both not of those, even 1%. I mean, I've, I've yeah. done a lot of edits where there's no transitions whatsoever. Yeah, I could probably count on my hand. Other than like a fade to black at the end or the beginning, like a fade right. up from black. But other right. than that, that's, I mean, I would say it'd be more like 99.8% of the time. Yeah. There's never a transition. Most cuts. Yeah. Like there should you should be able to count on your hand. Unless you're doing a super crazy stylistic piece, mm-hmm. you should be able to count on your hand the amount of transitions you have. And also, I think it's worth noting, by transition, I'm talking about an actual effect that you put on in the timeline, not a a transition clip, which is different. So, I don't know if that's confusing, but um, when I'm talking transitions, I mean an actual transition, something that you pull on and put on both of the clips. Yeah. Um. And the reason that you would, there, there should be a reason that you use a transition. So if you're going through and you feel like you need a transition, you should ask yourself, why do I need this transition? And most of the time, most transitions, the dissolve and the fade to black are to show passage of time. Mm-hmm. So your fade to black is usually showing, okay, it's the end of the day. We're going to the next day. A cross dissolve usually for or, me. Or it could be the end of the next scene too. I yeah, mean, but it's, or a it's scene. Passing of time, yeah. Yeah, a cro- uh, fade to black is usually a large chunk of time, relatively, between whatever you faded to black from and whatever fading to. And then you've got a cross dissolve, which is the same, usually a, a, a passage of time, but usually a shorter pass- passage of time. Uh, and I rarely use even those. I mean, fade dip to black would be my yeah. go-to dip, I transition. I dip to black and I'll dip to white sometimes, like as yeah. a flash sometimes. Sure. But um, I'd, I couldn't tell you. I bet I've used a cross dissolve in video 
one or two times in the last eight or nine years of editing. Yeah. So that shows you how much it needs. It it actually comes into play, which is virtually never. It's not very common, and when you do see it used, it's like I said, it's used for a very specific purpose. Yeah. And I'll say that a hundred times this episode too. Yeah. Is every decision that you make while editing should be done for a purpose. Yep. That should be your number one. Why am I making this decision? Yep. Every cut, every shot, everything that you do inside the edit is a decision. And you should have an idea of why you're doing that. Um, I have a bonus here. Well, before the bonus, I guess I already said this, but this is why angles and shots and variety of shooting is important. If you have a variety of different shots, if you have multiple angles of something, uh, you don't have to use a, a, a cross-dissolve to get from one of those to another because it you just cut from something to another angle mm-hmm. and inside people's heads they don't connect that that's a cut yeah they just accept it it yeah. just is what it is oh yeah. i'm looking at his hands now he's just talking now i'm looking at his hands talking yeah most people and it's hard i can't i don't do this anymore uh but like if you asked most people to point out the edits in a piece they probably couldn't mm-hmm. like they they would have to really spend time. Yeah. Most people don't notice your edits. And if you're doing a good job of getting all the shots that you need and getting the variety of shots and continuity and all those things. Angles. And yeah. angles, people aren't going to notice your edits. Uh, I have a bonus here, and it is trying to pay attention to, I guess, what I'm going to label eye trace. But if you pay attention to like what, where on the screen people are looking or mm-hmm. where your viewer would be looking, when you cut to a different shot... If you put the subject of that shot, what you want people to be looking at in the next shot, relatively close to where their eyes were on the screen in the previous shot, it's going to make that cut feel a lot less jarring. And like I said, that's really what you're trying to do is make those cuts smooth, make them less jarring. Yeah, so. and you want to flow. You want right. to flow to those things, you know. And maybe I mean, we might be getting a little too deep, sure. too deep in that's this. That's why but, that's just a little bonus in but, there. But, yeah, but just think about that when you're shooting. Not, but those things have to be done in the field too. If you're not right. shooting things in the right way, this is going to, that comes not, back to framing. It comes back comes to framing back to a variety comes, of shots. Everything comes back to how it's shot in the field. But just remember when you're shooting things, you've got to keep the continuity of, okay, if he was looking to the right, this needs to be framed on the right. If he's looking to the left, this needs to be framed on the left. Mm-hmm. All those things. It's, and it's not rocket science. And I think the reason going back to what you said, people don't, don't notice the cuts is because virtually everything they watch has cuts in it. But now they're, yeah. they're immune to those cuts. Right. So why would you th- – throwing a cross-dissolve into something, that is jarring. Throwing way That's too many – pointing out that yeah. there's a difference between those two yeah, clips. Yeah, exactly. So – and there's a way – I mean, I can't tell you how many you know network shows or movies I've been watching lately where they literally hard cut from one scene to a completely different day, completely different person, completely yeah. different place. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But the way that they transitioned was audio, music – subtle things in the sound design that got me from here to here. Right. So the cuts didn't mean anything. They got me there a completely different way. And there's ways to get, you know, there's ways to get from A to B without a transition. Trust me. So then next number two is too many montages. And I, I think that I was prone to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a conversation we had before, like probably two years ago. Yeah, and I was I was starting to think more about how do I use less montage. And well, explain what a montage is first. A montage is basically a collection of clips that's put to music, 
and uh, they're basically just back to back. There's not usually a lot of talking. There's not dialogue. Uh, the clips don't necessarily need to be connected or continuous or have any sort of continuity. Basically, what it is is you've got a bunch of clips and you just put them to music, and that is your scene or that is your segment. Um, it's literally a bunch of pretty clips put together with no good order put over a good sounding song. Right. It's a, it's a music video without the music. Sure. Or it's a music video without the dialogue. Sometimes you can even put dialogue in the montage song, but mm-hmm. it's literally a bunch of clips grouped together over pretty music, which is the reason people do it is it's easy and it takes right. up a lot of time. Right. And you get to use all the cool clips that you thought were cool. Yeah. Which we all want to do. I mean, I every single project there's a bunch of clips that I want to use and you know, you try to fight to get them in the project, but I'll talk about that a little later. Yeah. But I think and that's I think that's almost part of where everybody starts editing. Like when I started editing, that's what it was. It was yeah. a lot of montages, uh, a lot of music. I didn't mess with the sound. I just put the clips in there and and let it be. And uh I think that you don't want to use montages as a crutch. Again, montages have a place, they have a purpose, and they are good for that place and they're good for that purpose if if it makes sense to the story. I mean, um usually what you would want to use a montage for is to show the passage of time or to show progress or to show growth or to speed through something monotonous or to get from place to place. Um, basically they're a way to advance your story quickly and efficiently. And you see it a lot like a travel montage, right? Mm -hmm. If a character needs to get from New York city to San Francisco and they're driving, you're going to see a 30 second to a minute or, you know, depending on the piece, if it's a movie, it might be a, a full song of, shots of them driving of shots of them leaving New York city and driving through this state and stopping at the gas station and then going here and then arriving in their place. But that basically took the audience from New York city to San Francisco and did it in a interesting way, a fun way and, and showed that journey. And I think that's the perfect reason and way to use a montage, but not, you can't dumb it down. You can, and most guys will because it's easy, but the way to make that montage better and the and the way to to really use that montage is to not just use music and B-roll to work in the sounds of the road to work mm-hmm. in the conversation to work in you know sound bites to work in what you know an interview a voiceover or something instead of just laying music down and laying B-roll on top of it and calling it done mm-hmm. that's the that's not the way to do it and you have to have a purpose for it. Yeah. I think if you start out with a purpose for that and there's a reason for that montage, it's going to make it much more interesting and it's going to give you a reason and an end goal. And so you're not just throwing clips in there until you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm done with the song now. Yeah. It's physically, it's been decided on. It's something that you've decided needs to be part of the story. Yeah. And yeah, I had a note in here about Great way to break up a montage is with talking and dialogue. Yep. Um, I think back back when I asked you like what you thought about montages, you said you don't use them too much. 
Unless, and unless there's a really good reason for Unless them. there's a reason. And usually keep them to 30 seconds to a minute mm-hmm. at the most. Yeah. And I still try to stick to that. Yeah. If you're going to use a montage, you try to stick it with 30 seconds or a minute. I mean, you really don't need that much more time. No. I think I, I saw somewhere that most montages, you could have a title card saying exactly the point of what that montage was trying to get across. Pretty much, yeah. Rocky trains. Rocky is in Rocky Balboa. Rocky mm-hmm. trains for his upcoming fight and goes from an okay fighter to a great fighter. That's the point of that whole montage. That was the whole point of the thing. So keep that in mind. If you're if you're going to do a montage, have a good reason for it. Don't use them as a crutch. Nope. Exactly. Number three, you can't edit to the beat or with the music. Uh, this is a big one, uh, especially for me. I'm I like music and I'm a very musically, I guess, motivated person or I'm in tune to music usually. So if I'm watching an edit and the cuts of that edit do not line up to the beats of the music, yeah. It's jarring to me. Oh yeah. Like it it makes me And it's not angry. hard it's not hard to do. Yeah, it makes me inexplicably like I'm not angry. My brain is just like it do, it doesn't line up yeah. and it it jars my brain the the image it's uncomfortable yeah it's uncomfortable it makes you anxious yeah and it just doesn't feel right because it's it's not lining up with the beats of the song yeah so if you're gonna use music you want to make sure that your edits line up to that music mm-hmm. uh, and it's pretty easy to do you take the song you listen to the song uh, and you put your clip wherever you want it you know usually you build from A to B. So you put it next to your last clip. You listen to the song. You find out where the beat is. Pause the video when the beat hits. Cut your cut your clip to there. Mm-hmm. Um, line your next one up line there. Line your next one up there. Go to the next go beat. Go to the next one. Yep. Uh, you can do it that way. You can sometimes use the audio waveforms if you want to be really specific mm-hmm. uh, and look at where, like you can see the beats in the in the audio waveforms. Look at where they are. Look at where your clip is. Put your uh, playhead at that point and cut it. Uh, what I like to do is if I'm really editing something to the music like that is I'll lock the track, I'll play through it, and I, I'll i pause it where I want, I'll you know, put that clip in, I'll pause it where I want that clip to stop, and I can just press W on my keyboard with Premiere, and that'll cut the end of that clip off and take all the clips that were behind it and just bump them right up next to it. And so if I have 10 or 15 clips laid out and now I'm going to go sync it to the music, I can just press Q at every beat and it'll just... W. Yeah, W, I'm sorry. Q does the opposite, but for the front of the clip. Yep. Um, so that's a really, really easy thing to do. Uh, if you have a sequence that you don't necessarily want to line up with music, go find a song that doesn't have a whole bunch, like big beats or... You just uh, want like a more of a yeah, a music, like an ambient, like a, like a bed, yeah, you want like a nice, nice bed. And and the reason and, and there's music does so much for your edit that tells your viewer how they should feel. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing something with lots of big beats that you're needing to edit to music, it's probably going to be something action oriented. It's probably going to be something intense in some way. It's going to be something probably pretty fast moving. 
And then when you need something that just has a bed, like a really nice rhythmic bed, it's probably going to be something that's a little, a little more mellow, something mm-hmm. that's laid back. It might be a, you know, a sad scene. Uh, you know, y- I mean, you guys have watched enough to know what music needs to be used where. You don't need to use, hot, you know, hard metal music for everything that you do and lay a bunch of clips in there, throw a couple kill shots in it and call it good. Um, but remember when you're editing the music, and I put this in the notes, there's there's a time to edit to the music, and then there's a time that you've got to break that cycle too. And usually when you break that cycle of editing the music is when you introduce dialogue. And then you've got to hide that dialogue edit. Which are we getting ahead of ourselves with the L and J edits? Or was that in there? You're getting ahead of yourself. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, there, so there's, there's a time to edit to the music, and then there's a time to break that monotony to where when somebody comes in and starts talking and there's dialogue into that into that subset, like say for instance, you're editing a spawn stock on an elk and you've got a song that's got big beats of guys uh, sneaking in. All right, we've got a shot of him tied to his hands on the bow for a shot. There's a beat. Next shot's a wide shot of him sneaking in. There's a beat. Next shot is knocking his air or uh, clipping in his release. There's a beat. All right, and then the next clip is going to be him talking. Okay, well, now what we're going to do is we're going to take that clip of him knocking or uh, clipping into his release, cover that talking with, that would be what, a hell edit? Yeah. Which we're getting ahead of ourselves. But no. then we would lower our, Jay. Jay, sorry, we would lower our music, cover that edit up, and then now once we show them talking and telling us what's happening, we don't have to edit the music anymore. Because now we've lowered the music, we've taken the emphasis off the music, and now we're putting the emphasis on what's being said. And as soon as we go back to B-roll and the talking stops, we go right back to our beats. Now we edit to our beats again. Really hope that made sense. It's much easier to show you like on yeah. a timeline than it is to explain it over audio, but we don't have the we do have the capabilities of doing that. We do not have the time. Um, I think additionally, don't be don't be necessarily enslaved to the music either. Like edit to the beat, but you don't have to edit to the same beat every time. Yeah. You don't like if there's one second between the beats and you have a 30 second thing and you edit to have one clip start and end on every single beat, you're going to have 31 second beats. That's super monotonous. That's a lot. And you don't, Unless there's, like I said, unless there's a purpose for you being like that or for that edit doing that, if it's, if you're doing it for a certain reason or to get a certain response or to show something, uh, you know, try to, you know, mix it up, have sections that are fast, have sections that are slow, listen to the song and, and know when, okay, this is a fast part of the song or it's picking up or it's slowing down or, you know, where are these? Where are the pace changes inside the songs? Because any good song is going to have pace changes, so work yeah. with those in your edit. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just edit to every single beat. Edit to beats, make sure it flows. But I don't know why I'm out of breath there. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot uh, to breathe when I you're know. talking. Uh, I do that sometimes. Edit, edit to the beat, but you don't have to be enslaved to that specific beat. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, like you can break out of that with talking or. And this with is a, with a certain kind of clip. Uh, you, if you you can have one clip be really long, and and if this is something that sounds complicated, it's really not. And 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 I say this, and in every class that we do every year, this is something that we go over. 
is how to edit to music and then how to break up the monotony of editing. And it's really easy to see when we do the August class, this will be something that we for sure go over. We'll be going over, you know, all these little editing things, you know, and showing you, look, this isn't hard and literally showing, all right, here's the music we're picking. Here's the B roll we're picking. Here's the dialogue we're picking. All right. How do we make this flow? And then we start throwing it in there. And like I said, you know, I know you guys are listening on an audio podcast, but don't think that this is harder than it is because it's not. And with a little bit of practice, it is. it will become second nature. Uh, the last part of the music that I have is uh, the reason you want to align your shots with music sometimes also is to help sell a moment, to help sell a feeling, like you said. Uh, if you have a stock going on, you have a really suspenseful sequence, and you've got a really nice suspenseful music track, and it's building, and it's building, and it's building, and the rhythm of, of that whole scene is, is tied into the song and the emotion of that scene and the suspenseful feeling the audience has is going to be building and building and building and building. And at some point that song is going to uh, climax. There's going to be a high point of that song. And that's the point of the song where you want to try to sync up your shot or sync up your, your hit on the animal or sync up something so that, all of that building that you've just been doing through yeah. that sequence and that music has been helping you do finally sells something and it hits home yeah. and it and it hits the viewer and it like all comes together right there and you can do that with a with suspense you can do that with humor I think humor is especially important humor is very timing related mm-hmm. so tying that timing into a song and a lot of really time help. yeah and a lot of times that timing for humor is music stopping. Right, you know, and you know, the delivering the punchline, and mm-hmm. and that music stopping was that subconsciously tell you to do, listen. listen. So it's one of those things where this isn't rocket science. Again, I'm, maybe I'm gonna get, take your thing and say I'm gonna say that ten times this episode or whatever, but it's all about dealing with the subconscious. It's all about making it appealing to the eye, flowing, and not uncomfortable. And these are, you know, these are some things that videos that we've watched that guys send us, these are the opinions that we have. Um, and then this is just us trying to give our two cents on, okay, do these couple things in editing, back up, do a good job in the field. And then if you do these things in editing, you're going to have a solid product. Yeah. Going back to the field, you can only polish a turd so exactly much. Exactly right. right. I've polished, tried, attempted to polish some real turds before. I've had to polish my own turds. It's not fun. I got a I got a hunt one time. I'll not uh, not say the name of the. They're still on television. It was for a television show we used to produce at Sub Seven. I was hand, I was gonna have to do a whole segment of a show, so minimum four minutes of a show, four part four four segments in a show. They gave me four clips. Mm. Four clips. That's what I had. It was a deer coming in, getting shot. It was a B-roll shot of clipping into the release, a B-roll and a recovery, and then a tight shot of them holding the antlers afterwards. Four clips. Well, that's when you get to say as an editor, you're like, well, this is what I got, and that's all I can do with exactly it. Exactly right. I can't do, and when I you can't wonder, do anything and else. And when you wonder why some people aren't liking your content, that's why. You got four clips. Got to have more clips. Always more I'll clips. I'll never, ever forget that one as long as I live. God dang. I'm like, I'm looking through the folder. I'm like talking to my production manager. I'm like, where's the rest of the footage? <laughs> He's like, that's it. That's all they sent. Okay. 
They're not going to like this. <laughs> it's going to be a real quick edit. Yeah, it's going to be the quickest <laughs> edit in history. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of bump-ins, lots of... Uh, We're about to go over that. Don't yeah, okay, give away sorry, the secrets. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. All right, number four, numero quattro. I bet you didn't know it was We're on number four? I thought we were on number three. We just were on number three. Now oh, we're on number four. Sorry, it shows you how much I'm paying attention. Numbers work like that. Okay, that one is you don't know how to trim the fat. Oh, yeah, I like this and one. And this is, this is a very important one. This is going to be key to how you get people to continue to watch your video. Yep, how especially, you people especially me. Yeah. <laughs> if Caleb isn't interested in 15 seconds, gone. Don't watch it. Nope. The attention span of a flea. <laughs> I'm worse because I have ADHD. Yes. Um, basically, what this means is things are too long. Yeah. And when I say things, I'm talking about your shot. That shot is too long. That scene is too long. That person talking is too long. Mm-hmm. You left in all the ums, ahs, uh, uh, yeah, in there. The, you the know? mess ups, the repeated words, the you're telling the story again in interviews that you just told in the field. There's yeah. There's a thousand different places you can trim the fat when you're editing. I get sent stuff all the time that's a 10, 12, 15-minute edit that could be a really good three-minute edit. Mm-hmm. That could be a really good five-minute edit. And you're like, really? How, how can you take a 15-minute edit and trim it down to five? Bring it to me and I'll show you. Don't repeat things. You cut out all the unnecessary yes. things. You, well, you and you know, and you know how I learned to trim the fat, and I might have told this story before, and this has stuck with me more than probably anything I've ever done. It was that same show, the same, not the same episode, but the same show. It was the first show I'd ever edited for television at Sub Seven. This was in two thousand and twelve, eleven or twelve. I don't remember. Long time ago. I got handed a hard drive by chance, and he said, uh, I need you to take these four hunts. There's four hunts on this hard drive, and I need you to make a 22-and-a-half-minute show. Each hunt is a segment. Segments can be no shorter than four minutes, no longer than eight minutes. Make all four add up to 22-and-a-half. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. It took me probably a week, if not more, to do the first segment, the first four to eight minutes. Now I do that in a couple hours. Probably took me, yeah, at least a week. And I took it to Chance, and I was so proud of it. Or I called him in my office, and I was like, hey, check this out. Watch this. And it was like, I can't remember. the exact, It was like probably six and a half, seven-ish minutes. And uh, he watched it, didn't say anything. He's like, it's too long. Shorten it. All right, so he walks in the office, takes me another day or two to shorten it. Call him back in there. I'm like, all right, watch this. Still too long. It's like, dang it. And I trimmed it down like a full minute from the first time he had watched yeah, I'm it. I'm sure you're going, this is all I can do. I'm I so proud of myself. Okay, so the third time, I work on it another day or so, bring him in there, and I cut like 20 seconds out of it. So now, this thing's, now this thing's like it, right at six minutes. And I'm like... I'm so proud of myself. I've cut a minute and a half out of this edit. I'm like, there's no way you can cut any more than that. He watches it the third time. He's like, still too long, dude. And I'm and I'm and now I'm pissed. I'm like, okay, Chance, you've told me three times it's too long. I've cut a minute and a half out of it. I don't know what else to cut. He's like, let me show you. And in no more than 30 minutes, he hacked 
that thing down to like three and a half minutes. <laughs> but guess what? It was better. It flew better. It flew, flowed better. Told the same story. And it didn't have any of the junk that I had left in it. But at that time, I didn't know what junk was. I didn't know what that fat was to trim. Mm-hmm. And all he did was go in, and as soon as an audible word was spoken, he would cut in. As soon as the audible word would go out, he would cut out. Well, every time I did that, those are, you know, five to ten frames that I had left in there. Well, you do that throughout a five-minute segment. Well, you cut out 10, 15 seconds right there. Mm-hmm. Then he went into every one of my B-roll clips. He shortened those up to the exact length they needed to be. Then he would go under all the talking. He would cut out every um, every ah, uh, every gap, every every time there wasn't an audible word spoken, he would cut it out, cover it with B-roll. Then every time, and, and then twice in there, they had said the same thing in interviews that they had said in the field. And he's like, they've already said that one time. I don't need to hear that again. He cut it out. They've already said that. Cut it out. They just showed that. I don't need to hear it again. Cut that out. And in 30 minutes, that took me probably two weeks, he just completely changed my entire outlook on editing in 30 minutes. But he made it better because he kept me engaged. He kept the flow there versus he took a seven-minute edit and cut it down to less than four. I had to add to the thing after he got done with it. You know, so that's what we're saying about trimming the fat. There are so many places, every um, every ah, every little tail at the end of a dialogue where somebody's talking, all those pieces need to be cut out. But with that being said, if you do not have B-roll, you haven't told a good job, doing done a good job in the field of telling the story and getting all the clips you need, it's really hard to hide those edits and trim that fat. But I can't tell you how many how many freaking things have we watched where there's 45-second clips that could be cut down to 10. With no B-roll. With no B-roll. Or the 45 seconds of somebody talking straight, no cuts, uhs, ahs, ums. They say the same thing three times. Yeah. And then they get done with that. And then they show you everything that they've just talked about for 45 seconds for another 45 seconds. Again, yeah. And you could have cut that down to 20 seconds total. Yeah, drives me insane. So, yeah. So, that's what we mean by trimming the fat. Now, I was giving away a little nugget a minute ago. You can go ahead and give that nugget away. Sorry. Well, I think think the first thing that you need to do whenever you're editing something is – you want to advance your piece and tell that story as fast as we'll get the point across and give the viewer all the information they need uh, and get the emotion that you're trying to get out of that out of that section or that piece uh, out of that, but no more. Mm-hmm. And what that comes down to is, one, knowing the story that you're trying to tell, and two, and this is something that I I had to learn and I think I continue to have to fight with myself over is not being precious with your material and your ideas. Yeah. You can't, you get, you get really invested in an edit, especially if you shot it. Yeah. If you shot it, you you have shots that you want in that edit. I I can tell, I tell myself in the field, I can't wait to put that in a timeline. Yeah. And then you get back to the edit and you're like, it doesn't fit fit anywhere. Mm -hmm. Or you try and shoehorn it in and I come and watch it. And then I'm like, why do you got that shot in there? It doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. Cut that whole... There's a whole minute and a half there that we don't need. And right. then you as an editor or as a field producer are so invested in it 
that you feel like you have to have it, but in reality, it doesn't fit. And you got to remember that your audience doesn't know how much effort you took into, they don't know how much effort you put in those shots. They don't know how much effort you put into that sequence or that edit. And frankly, they don't care. They don't care how much. They want to see good stuff. Like if you took, if that whole thing took you a day to shoot, but it's great, they don't care. Mm -hmm. If that thing took you five months to shoot and it sucks, they don't care. They don't care. They just want to see what's good. And so as you're editing, you want to ask yourself, is, is what you're showing, is what they're saying, is the information that you're giving to the audience useful? Is it relevant? Do they care? Does it give them things that they need to know to understand what's happening? Who, what, when, where, how, why, and whether? Mm-hmm. Does it reveal something about a character? Does it show somebody's character traits? Does it show that they're a funny person? Does it show that you know, maybe they're stressed. Does it show that they're excited? Um, does it does it elicit an emotion? Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel sad? Does it make you feel this? Uh, and does the audience care about that? And ultimately, does it help tell your story? Uh, you got You just have to be ruthless, especially on shorter form content. Especially on shorter form content. Yeah. Um, if you've got a minute to sell to tell something on Instagram, you may think that that's a long time. I promise if you go to edit a minute of things, it's not a long time. No. And you're going to be like, I don't I can't I don't have enough shots. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be ruthless and just know exactly what you're trying to tell the audience and tell them only that. Um yeah, I I don't know anything else in that point that we didn't go I over. Thought you were about to give away the jump cut. No, that's next. Oh, sorry. Number five. You don't know how to hide your edits. Ah, there she is. Oh, also there's a bonus, so stick around. So stick around, guys. But wait, there's more. (laughs) If you call now, we'll throw in an extra point for the price of free 99. (laughs) All right. uh, Should I talk like that for the rest of this? No, No? please don't. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, so you don't know how to hide your edits. What I mean is you are jump cutting you're hard cutting to every single clip and that's all you're not you don't <laughs> that's all <laughs> you, you don't there's no you're not using b-roll you're not using punch-ins you're not yeah. using an l cut you're not using a j cut and i'll go over those mm. i know you're excited he's yeah, so excited he's i didn't so I, i've heard you use that before but i and i knew that's what they were but i didn't know which one was which yeah this See is ya. fun. This is fun little editing things. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, basically, you're just throwing clips in a timeline, kind of maybe making them so that they're in the right order, but you're not really, you're not high, especially like, I see this a lot, especially with YouTube. And uh, you, YouTube or YouTube? YouTube. I am about to say. YouTube over there. <laughs> you and the mouse. Yeah. Um, I see this a lot with YouTube, and it's actually a style, and... Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And it it works for what it's being used for, and I get why people do it, because it's easy and saves time. Well, it's because they're not editors. Right. They're, they, they, they're out there for content, and they want to put out something every day. And basically, what I'm talking about is, like, you go to watch somebody, and it could be a tutorial, or maybe it's somebody telling a story, or somebody reacting to something, or uh, whatever YouTubers do. <laughs> and... Whatever YouTuber. It's do. basically they got one camera. <laughs> disdain in that comment. <laughs> I don't hate YouTubers. I just 
I hate that when videos are like that. Yeah, me too. Um, basically, it's one camera angle, and they're talking, and they trim the fat, kind of. Uh, but they, you know, they cut out all the uhs, ahs, ums, and stuff yeah. like that. But instead of covering where they cut that out, they just they just cut it. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's, it's just, just a whole bunch of clips, clips on top of each other. And so the like jump positions and stuff because yeah. you're watching them, and and that's it's really uncomfortable. It is, and it. I, it makes me very, very anxious because it's <laughs> things are going so fast and there's no different angles and it just makes me feel like I'm just getting hit in the face with all this stuff. Yeah. So this is much better if I, I'm much more animated if you are watching me talk in person. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to do that someday. I don't sound as edited or I don't, I'm not as boring as I sound. <laughs> I know my silky smooth voice can really lull people to sleep. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. I know. So, this ties into our previous points of you need to do a good job in the field. You need to. That's the, I mean, if you take nothing away from the last two episodes, last two podcasts, that's the thing you need to take away. Do a good job in do the field. Do a good job in the field. Do know some what plan- story you're trying do to tell. Do a good job of planning. Don't be a lazy butt. Get the shots, and it'll all turn out okay. Mostly. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. Uh, so when you're in the field, you need to get, I wrote it down really nicely here. You, oh, I guess I can't, I can't find it. You need to make sure that you get all of the visual shots that you need to tell whatever is going on. And you want to get people talking about whatever is going on so that you have both of those things. And you want to get different angles. You want to get all your B-roll. And so then, when you go to trim your fat, you can start putting that B-roll over those cuts that you just made. Mm-hmm. You want it to trim that uh, that ah, uh, that um. You want to cut out that whole thing of that guy of in the middle of somebody saying something. They already said something you don't need. Yeah. You want to cut out that 10 seconds, but you don't want a hard cut. Yeah. So well, you the, need B-roll well, the perfect, to hide that. Well, the perfect example of that is, say you're, say you're filming a, a deer hunt. You're filming in the evening. And you get uh, whoever you're filming or yourself, doesn't matter, talking and opening up. Hey, you know, it's October the 1st. It's opening day. We're out here. we got, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And you talk for five minutes on camera. Well, please, God, don't use all five minutes. Because you for sure stumbled somewhere. You for sure repeated yourself. Right. You for sure told us some information we don't need. Well, once we get into editing, you're going to take that five minutes of talking and we're going to trim it down to 20 seconds that's got six cuts in it. Well, guess what we've got to have? We've got to have at least, you know, if it's 20 seconds, we need five or ten good B-roll shots mm-hmm. to cover those edits up. That's what we mean by covering your edits and hiding, excuse me, hiding your edits. That was a really funny noise. Sorry. I had this hiccup right in the middle of talking. Basically, if you're looking at your timeline and you're looking at two clips and you're looking at an edit point, hiding your edit is putting a clip over that edit at its most basic form. I'll go over a couple of different things that may not, that don't manifest themselves that way. Yeah. But that's basically what we mean by hiding an edit. And, and it, if you looked, you can you look looked, in a timeline and see hiding edits. You can look and see what the edits are. Yeah. If you looked at my timeline of somebody talking, like, don't look at you, don't look at Roger's timeline. My timelines are my, beautiful. It makes my head spin. We're gonna sometimes. post both of our timelines. We should. And People see are gonna which be one. like, I'm gonna edit like Caleb. <laughs> you can edit like Caleb, and then when you hand it to somebody like me, he'll be confused. Yeah, exactly. 
Because it doesn't make sense. It makes sense, but you got to really think about it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. So I'm going to take uh, that bow build video that we did with Dudley as a great example of this. Not the bow build, uh, the bow release, the bow PSC release, bow yeah. release video. So basically, that was seven or eight minutes of Dudley talking, and it it needed to be uh, quick and it needed to be uh, efficient, like. I, we wanted to get all that information out, but not take 20 minutes to do it. Yep. And we had to take different parts and cut out this uh, or this uh, or cut out like a little pause here and there. Like if you looked at that whole eight minutes, even though it's eight minutes of him straight talking, there's a bunch of cuts in there. Yeah. And you can see them. But there's over a cut, the top probably of, more than one take. There's more than yeah. one, you know, there's a fumble in here. There's a misspoken word. There's I took a, this, this from over here. Yep, yep. I took one take and put it with another take. Yep. And, the way that I hid all of those edits, you would never know that that was not one take. Exactly. Because over every cut, I did one of two things. I had two, three camera angles set up. Well, I had two camera angles, one 4K, one 1080 off to the side. The 4K I split into two different cameras, basically. One, the wide, one punched into uh, 50. 100 would well, be 100%. Yeah, one basically zoomed in. Yeah. Uh which basically gave me three cameras. So anytime I had to make a cut, I would either choose one of the other two cameras. You know, if I was using the one to the side, I would cut to either the wide or the close of the straight up one. If I was using one of the straight up ones, I'd cut to the other one or the side, just depending. You have to make that call based on feel. Or I would take a B-roll clip that I shot and put it there. And how often how often are we changing clips? Usually every three to five seconds, yep. especially for a piece like that. Yep. Um, and then when somebody watches it, they don't know that that was not one take. Mm-mm. They don't know that there was cuts. They just see just pull, and hear Dudley's voice that whole time. Pulling the wool over their eyes the entire time. Yeah, and they, and they wouldn't know. Um, so that's where it comes into. I had three basically cameras uh, set up. So I knew when I got into editing, I would have those. And I had, I took all the time to do all those B-roll clips. Um, So when I got into editing, I would have all those assets. And that's when it, that's what producing in the field is doing. Mm -hmm. Is instead of me just filming Dudley talking and be like, oh, okay, good to go. I made sure that I had all of those things, that I produced it correctly. Um, now I guess we can go into the L cuts and the J cuts. Uh, oh, another thing with B-roll, and this is a rule of thumb that you've told me. Uh, you usually want your B-roll clips to be in groups of two or three or four or five. Yeah, you don't gap, you don't gap B-roll. You don't, you don't show a B-roll clip, go back to somebody talking or interview, back to B-roll, back to talking, back to B-roll. You usually take B-roll and you group them. And it doesn't need to be two or three. It can be more than that. But you usually what you'll have is you'll have talking, group of B-roll that's hiding edits, back to talking for a significant amount of time, then back to B-roll that are grouped together. Instead of B-roll talking, B-roll talking, B-roll talking, B-roll talking, you group those things together. It's just another one of those comfort things. Yep. So now L-cuts and J-cuts. So you use these a lot to just smooth out those edit points. And I do this if I'm not even trying to like hide an actual this cut. Is, this is another subconscious this is, thing. Yeah, this is just you're trying to smooth that experience for the viewer so they don't yep. really notice the cuts. 
Uh, an L cut, basically, if you're looking at the timeline and you've got an audio a video clip, an audio clip associated with that video clip, another audio clip, or another video clip with an audio clip associated with it, just like how it comes off the camera, um, and you look at that and you make a cut to the video portion and you butt those two against each other and then you take that audio and extend it basically to the right underneath the clip that you just cut to. That's an L cut because it looks like an L if you're looking at it. You've yeah. got the video. The video stops, but the audio from that video clip is still playing as the next one is coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the next video you use is that, being shown. You use that audio to transition. So it goes longer than the video. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we're doing is we're taking that audio and we're using that to softly introduce you to the next scene or the next clip. Right. That's the, that's the premise behind mm-hmm. it. And a J-cut would be the opposite. Yeah. So the audio from the clip you're about to cut to mm-hmm. comes in before you actually see that clip. Yeah. And that's, I would say I probably use J-cuts more than anything else. Yeah. To basically have that audio of whatever's coming next come in, and it just subconsciously prepares your viewer for what they're about to see. Yeah. Like if you say you're cutting from... I should have like 40,000 great examples. Say you're cutting to uh, a a morning scene from from the evening. Uh, I would use a J-cut. Yeah, J-cut. I do this subconsciously, so I don't know always the names. J-cut mm-hmm. to have like some morning noises come in as your the time lapse that I'm using to end the evening yep. scene is, the is next- fading to black. I fade to black you hear as the, it fades to black i start to hear like morning noises and maybe we're maybe we're duck hunting and there's uh you know some water there and so you hear that yeah. and you start to hear like some birds in the water and it all just fades in and all of a sudden okay now you're here yep now you see that nice establishing shot of the pond with the decoys and now it makes sense yeah and you didn't it wasn't like and, oh, all of a sudden you hear these things. Yeah. It's a nice and then fade the, in. Then the perfect example of an L cut would be you see the view of the outside of a, a like a lodge. You see the outside of the lodge, and then you hear people talking and mumbling in the background and talking. And then the next shot you see you're in the cabin in the middle of a conversation that was happening well, underneath that, that establishing shot. That'd still be a J. Oh, I thought that was the opposite. No, because the J is the the audio from the next clip overlying the clip before it. Okay. So if the next moral of the story is you're using audio or video to transition from Mm -hmm. one place to another and hiding a cut and you can extend either video or extend audio one way or the other to help achieve that. Yep. So Uh, the other trick you can, the J and L thing that confuses me. J and L literally is how it looks. If you look in the timeline, one looks like an L one looks like a J. So, uh, the next one, and this is one of your favorites that you told me, is the punch in. Mm, the jump, the yeah, the, the punch in, or the which jump is cut, yeah. say you've got you're trying to cut out a, uh, an ah, uh, and maybe you don't have B roll for that particular moment, and you only have one camera angle. You cut that uh out, but those two clips together, bump in ten to fifteen twenty percent, bump in ten to fifteen percent on the second one, let it go, and whenever you need to come out of that, you bump back to standard size. Voodoo magic. Yep. I use that one a lot now. I can't remember who taught me that. It was either Chance or Nate. Those are the only two people that really taught me anything there. Uh, the next 
Next little point of how to hide your edits, angles, have multiple angles, like yep. I said. That helps. It's, it's hard and, and it's more crap to keep up with, but if you have two cameras on any shoot, a good editor can make you look like a rock star. Two camera angles and understanding how to hide cuts and cut out ums and ahs. I'll never forget it, and I've told this on the podcast before, one of the worst interviews I've ever shot in terms of the subject not being good on camera for interviews was with my buddy Casey. <laughs> he's incredible on camera when he's in the field in action, but sit him down in front of a camera without action and he can't get a word out. And I just remember shooting this interview with him. Thank God we shot it on two cameras. And then once we got the edit together, he's like, Holy crap. I look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I was like, dude, two camera angles can make you look like a rock star. All right. Are we ready for bonus point? Bonus point. Uh, your audio sucks. That's the bonus <laughs> point. Bonus, your audio sucks. Um, this quite possibly is the number one thing that people will immediately tune out of your video for, and that is audio that is bad. And when I say bad audio, I mean your whole video is too loud your whole video is too quiet your music is overpowering people talking there's pops and clicks and stuff where you've made audio cuts there are uh clipping where somebody was way too loud and it's peaking like it's showing red in your yeah. in your audio waveforms uh you've got the wind noise is excessive you one thing about bad audio is having no audio at all having no audio throughout a whole section or ambient, you know, your ambient is yeah. too loud or you and don't ambient, have any ambient ambient or, audio to explain. If you don't know what ambient audio is, it's like, what's the sound going on? That's not the dialogue or not the talking. It's the birds chirping. It's the mm -hmm. leaves crackling. It's the wind blowing. That's your ambient audio, the ambient sound around what's happening. So most viewers will put up with bad video. People will not put up with bad audio. Yeah. The, the, you just can't handle it. I mm -hmm. mean, try to think of when you watch something with terrible audio. You didn't want to watch it. Yeah. You would have, you exit out of it. So when you are in the field, monitor your audio. That's one of the points we went over. That's yeah, why it's very that. important. Working you gotta, in the field again. Audio is something that you cannot recover. It's, it's basically what it's going to be. Unless you're going to recreate it. Yeah. Unless you recreate it. But... You know, just like after you leave a hunt, you can never get those shots again, mostly, uh, unless you go back to the same place and do it again. The same thing with audio. You can't, if you clip your audio, you can't recover it. Yeah. That, by clipping, I mean it It goes past the point of where the mic can actually pick up that audio, and you'll actually see it's flat. You've cut off the tops of that audio. It's hard to explain on a podcast, but if you're looking at the edit, you'll see it. And I don't even think we can clip on this podcast because this board's got built-in limiters and stuff. Yeah. Otherwise, I would scream in this microphone. <laughs> Basically, it like makes gun, your... gunshots and things like that. Yeah. They'll clip, you know. It, it makes your audio super distorted. Yeah. Um, so, number one, monitor your audio. Uh, when you're editing, watch for your peaking. Watch for clipping. Make sure that you're... Clips are not going past zero decibels. That's the top. Um, and then mixing sound it should be part of your process. Have You should spend time doing audio. Um, Caleb likes to do it while he's 
editing, yeah. I usually come back and do it. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. I do ninety percent of everything as I'm editing. That way, when I'm done, I'm pretty much done. Yeah, I do it completely the opposite. Yeah. I do everything one step at a time. Um, I can't stand watching and reviewing something back that's not done. So I do it all at the same time. I hate watching like, like when you send me the review edits for Blue Stem and the audio wasn't done, it drove me insane. I'm glad that I know that now because I'll continue to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just fix the freaking audio. So I See, I hate, I hate having to deal with all that minutia, all that stupid bull crap when I'm when I'm in the flow of getting the story. I'll see. That. I don't want to have to deal with. Oh, I got to change this three or negative three or. <sighs> I just want to get the story and be done and yeah. then go. And that's just see. That's just the difference in editing styles. So, regardless, it should be part <laughs> of your workflow. You shouldn't just be laying clips in there just and calling it good. You need to be working on your audio. You need to be making sure that your dialogue is loud enough, and that usually means it's falling in the negative 9 to negative 12 decibel range. Um, you want to make sure that your music is not too loud. Uh, that usually, I put mine at like negative 10 most of the time until somebody talks, and then I decrease the volume of the music while somebody's talking by another 10 decibels. It's called ducking, uh, and Premiere will actually do it for you. Look mm-hmm. it up. It's pretty, it's pretty nifty. Um, and making sure that you have ambient sound and that your background noise is not overpowering somebody talking and it's not overpowering the music. Uh, just making sure it's kind of there, but like you can notice it, but it's not really, no, it's not a, not going to hit you in the face. Like yeah. it's just kind of there. Um, and then, crossfades i know earlier i said no transitions this is audio where i use all bets are off with all transi- transitions <laughs> all the transitions happen yeah. in audio there's a fun little shortcut called shift d which is the default audio transition usually part of my audio workflow is selecting large swaths of audio and pressing shift d so that there's a crossfade between every single clip yep and then i go back through and i'll adjust how long that that crossfade is but basically what that's doing is it's getting rid of all those pops or all those weird inconsistencies of where that audio cut is. Yeah. Um, and that saves you a lot of time. So you, so, okay. I didn't know that shift D did that. So you're telling me yes. that you would still rather go back and do that at the end than just automatically do it while you're editing. Shift D does very little. I think I know, for but it's, like that's a, a review. No. The okay. volume is what matters most. Yeah, but how hard is it just to reach and grab a little thing, move it down just a little bit, and keep on going? You don't do that, though. You right-click and gain, and then you will negative. Yeah. See? No, I don't even right-click. I, uh, It's either G or Shift-G, and it opens up the whole dialog See, box. See, Ryer knows more shortcuts than I do. He knows significantly more. He shows me shortcuts. What I, I showed you the sh- a shortcut the other day, and I was pretty happy with myself. F? Yeah, If you F, press F. find, yeah. Dude, I wish I would have known that years ago. <laughs> I like the, the the Q and the W. I've been using that. I didn't know that one. Yeah, F for people who are wondering is if you select a clip, have, uh, have your cursor over it. Yeah, you select a clip or you have your cursor over the clip. Have playhead, and you press I'm sorry. F. Have a pl- your playhead yeah. and the clip selected. If you press F, it will bring up that clip in your Fine. source it, monitor. Yeah. And not only does it bring up the clip, it brings up the in and out points. Mm-hmm. Because I used to just go right click, find reveal in project, yeah. and then I just have to like find guess. <laughs> and that was a pain. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, especially because I was being dumb and 
this is I was just editing and so I was yeah. making these uh, I was just kind of I was there was a bunch of dialogue and so I was just laying vid- video clips over the dialogue as b-roll and then I did that for about a day and then I realized that at some point I was going to need the audio for all of those yeah to, and I showed you and I was like this is really going to be not so much fun at all yeah and then he showed me that and my life is forever changed yeah um, but I think the tally is still in my favor for how many <laughs> shortcuts I know versus yeah. he does but as far as handiness, I think mine takes the cake. I don't know. Q, Q, Q and W is pretty good. Um, I think the G is pretty good for the audio. Shift D, I think. Will is it G or Shift D, G? I'm not sure. They both G, <laughs> you do so, it so much just subconscious now. So G, they're both for the generally the same thing. G or Shift G will open up your one where it's like set gain to uh normalize max peaks that whole thing those mm-hmm. four different options and then the other one either g or shift g whichever one wasn't that one will open up your actual channels and will let you select like which channels you want so say you recorded four channels of audio um but for that particular clip you only wanted channel 1 you could go and uncheck 3 2 3 and 4 or you could make if you had two channels of audio, you can make them both channel one or both channel two or whatever, depending. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a fun little that's a fun little that's a, like a bonus 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 shortcuts. bonus yeah. Not even um, gonna charge you for that one. Yeah, well, actually, we won't charge you for any of this. <laughs> Aren't you surprised now? But if you are listening. And you want to send us five dollars? No, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're you listening, can. and you're like, okay, this is really hard to take in through audio and not visually. We are going to try and do some, you know, live stream edits. But on top of that, the August seventh through ninth class, we'll go through every bit of this. You so, can ask Caleb to show you how he takes so much time on his rough cuts, or I can show you how to do it super fast and not take time doing all the volume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, I think that's everything now. Uh, clean ambient audio will save you is my last. Oh, go ahead. My last point. Clean that's ambient all. audio will save you. That's all. No yeah. explanation. Yeah. Clean ambient audio will save you. Yeah, it will. It's like, it's not anything like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's not anything like Jesus. <laughs> just, just ambient audio. <laughs> I was trying to make an analogy. Oh, that's a really good line. <laughs> you can see it in your face. You're trying to figure it out. And you're like, nope, not anything that Jesus. <laughs> it will right. save you, but not in that's a, the same That's way. a perfect ending to this podcast. All right, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs>